When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nation Podcast. All right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. As always, we are brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today to get involved in the action. Listen, Patriots aren't winning. You can still win money with FanDuel, so make sure you sign up there. Uh, listen, it's your boy Pat Lane, as always, with my guy Matt St. Jean. And today, we have a special guest today. We have an author on the, on the, on the scene with us, which is pretty nice. Okay, Dave Archibald is the writer of The Inches We Need. He is, the, he is a writer for NFL Spin Zone, and he's also a very valued member of the SCO Show Slack chat as well. Dave, thanks so much for coming through. We appreciate you. We appreciate you coming back on with us. Hey, Pat. Hey, Matt. Good to see you guys, and uh, excited to chat some. Well, I was excited to chat some Patriots, the right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. I'm going I'm to be honest with, with all the listeners right up front. We might talk about the game on Thursday for like three minutes, maybe. <laughs> we're just we're not. I'm sorry. Like, uh, you know, the sickos that turned in, that tuned in to to listen to us preview Bailey Zappi versus Mister Biscuit, going to be disappointed. We're going to be talking <laughs> about trying to rebuild this Patriots team because that's where we are right now. Uh, and so that's that's where we're, that's where the majority of this conversation is going to be. Yeah, not a lot. I mean, yeah, three minutes is that might be more than the total number of points scored Thursday night. Two points might win that game. My goodness, it's. I mean, it's it's bad. And look, the as bad as the Patriots' offense is, the Steelers' offense is also horrendous. And the Steelers' defense is really good, and the Patriots' defense is really good. So you get two bad offenses going against two good defenses. I mean, the only way you want to get any real points in this game is if. You know, there are multiple defensive touchdowns. That's the only way it's going to happen. It's a real shame Matt Canada didn't stick around for this one because he fits the vibe of Thursday night perfectly. <laughs> he absolutely does. <laughs> oh, he so does. That would be great, wouldn't it? And the Patriots injury report looks pretty rough right now, too. Like, even to the extent they have offensive talent, a lot of it's going to be missing or limited. It's... uh yeah, their best offensive player is out for at least this week, if not more than one week. Ramondre Stevenson with a high ankle sprain. Sounds like he's going to miss uh, at least a few weeks. And so that's obviously not good um, for the Patriots Pop offense. Douglas. Pop, Pop Douglas. Douglas is still out with Looks too. like he's still out with a concussion. Kayshawn Booty was back at practice today. Yeah. Means that he could theoretically play on Thursday night, which is great. I mean, he hasn't really done anything, but it's cool. Um, you know, and, and so, but it's ugly. It's as ugly as, as ugly can be. And it didn't look, I mean, look, Bailey Zappi, we talked about this on Sunday, but like it's, it was nice. Look, it, it was a move you had to make 
But like, it didn't really change anything. Bailey Zappi didn't all of a sudden make the Patriots a competent offense. They're just not that good. And and look, I think we talked about this a little bit off air, and I was talking to someone about this today, and I'm like, you see all the backup quarterbacks that come in. I mean, C.J. Beathard went in last night for Jacksonville, drove them right down the field. Now, I know they have Evan Ingram, and they have Calvin Ridley, who he didn't throw to in that drive, but like, fine. But like, is it a systematic? It, it seems to be systemic with the Patriots. Where, like, you know, what the hell is going on? That they can't even move the ball down the field. I mean, everyone else, and we talk about this, everyone else except for the Giants and the Jets, can move the ball at least, do something. And you and you just have nothing. I mean, the Colts, I get it. They have Jonathan Taylor, but they had Zach Moss. And they still are running Zach Moss, a guy that got cut by Buffalo, who doesn't have a freaking running back. So, like... <laughs> Buffalo cuts Zach Moss. He's playing his ass off in, in Indy, and they're scoring points with freaking Gardner Minshew. And I, I just like – so it seems to me that it's a system problem more than it is about the players. And the players are bad. Don't get me wrong. But you feel like they should be able to score some points at least. I think I think we have a tendency to want to, like, ascribe one reason to things. And when you're the 32nd offense – there's probably a lot of reasons. Right. So you have, I mean, Mac playing poorly. And of course, Zappi hasn't, hasn't played any better in the opportunities he's gotten this year. Uh, I thought last game, one of the big problems is the offensive line could not pass protect at all. Yeah. On, on Wenu, I think had his first game since moving to right tackle where you're really like, boy, I don't know. If, I don't know if he looks like a right tackle. Yeah. He actually ran the ball pretty well, um, especially before Stevenson got hurt. And then, you know, you're missing Kendrick Bourne. You're missing Pop Douglas. Um, you've Parker. Juju Juju led the team. Wide receivers and snaps played. He was invisible. Um, like he's been all year. Except for that one time he Juju. slipped and fell over. <laughs> I mean, they, there's just not – I mean, like just up and down, up and down the line, they're not, they're not getting much out of, their, out of their, uh, their offensive players. And I think in addition to that, I heard – I think it was one of the Ringer podcasts I was listening to earlier. They said that um, going back as long as some of the stuff has been tracked, that was the worst starting field position a team has ever had for a game. The Patriots averaged like their own 13-yard line. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a bad offense, you can't have field position that's that awful because then, you know, your your few productive drives end up 20 yards out of field goal range and you can't even uh, your, your best drives are pinning the opponent deep um yeah so that's yeah, unbelievable it's a recipe for disaster well By i way, think good they uh, they do have a road to the playoffs in case anyone's wondering <laughs> if the patriots win out and the steelers lose out and the texans lose out and the Bengals lose out except against the steelers where they beat the steelers and mm-hmm. The Chargers win the next two weeks and then lose out. And the Broncos lose out except against the Chargers. And the Bills lose out against, except against the Chargers. Then the Patriots will make the playoffs. So, I mean. So, where do we like order our playoff hats? Right. I mean, it's like yeah. practically <laughs> guaranteed to happen. Yeah. So, we're just we're figuring out who's going to start the playoff games. That's right, the next exactly, five weeks right. are about. <laughs> right. As long as Ramondre is good to go by then, it'll be fine. <laughs> Well, I, I think when we talk about like building this team going forward, I think, Dave, you kind of hit on one of the key things in there, which is that 
they did like run block well, but they couldn't pass block. And that's what makes evaluating the offensive line kind of hard here when you're trying to figure out who to bring back because it seems like there's a lot of players that are good enough that you don't want to lose them, but not necessarily players that you feel good enough about like building around and you get stuck in this middle ground where I'm not entirely sure how you approach. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, we had this discussion in this Go Show Slack channel. Like, they kind of stabilized the offensive line a, a month or so ago when they kicked Unwenu out to right tackle and took Vidarian Low out of the lineup, and they put in City So at right guard. And I think So has looked really good, but Unwenu, I think, is more of a guard than a tackle, and then it becomes, okay, because on when is a free agent. So do you bring him back and have him play tackle? Do you bring him back and have him play guard and try to find somewhere else for so and have him be depth? Who's going to play tackle if you don't bring back on Wenu? Because it certainly doesn't seem like, you know, from what we saw of Lowe or Calvin Anderson or uh, the guys we haven't seen, like Tyrone Wheatley, like I don't think they have an answer in the building. That's a tough, and that's a tough position to fill because Trent Brown's a, free agent too. So, you know, even if you bring him back, you know, you're still left with needing a, a solution at right tackle. It's it's a pretty tough and you know, there aren't 64 good tackles in the NFL. Well, there might not be 32. <laughs> right. And that's and that's really what it comes down to, right? And then and Trent Brown, I look, I know Trent Brown looked really bad on Sunday, but I think he's been a serviceable player, I, I, more than serviceable. I think he's been a very good player this year. And he was hurt. He's just he's hurt. He's banged up right now. The problem with Trent is that he has he can't string together a bunch of games in a row where he is healthy and good. And so that is the concern. If you're going to sign him to a a deal, a fairly long term deal, because you're going to have to because he's played well enough that someone's going to pay him. Then what? You know, can you rely on him to be your starting left tackle all year long next year? And the Unwenu question is a great question. And, and look, I think the Patriots have to look at it one of two ways. If you're comfortable with Mike Unwenu at right tackle and you feel like he's good enough to be a solid to above average tackle, then you sign him and you bring him back. If he's coming back as a guard, I don't know. I just. I don't think that makes sense based on the amount of money he's going to get, based on the fact that we've seen City so play well at right guard. Now, listen, if you want to make the argument that Cole Strange hasn't been good enough at left guard, I guess that's fine. And we have the money to spend. But, like, I don't love the idea. I would rather leave the line intact the way it is and go out and get a right tackle if you don't feel like that right tackle is there. Now, they thought City so was going to play tackle. He played tackle in, in the preseason. He played tackle and you know, and and he's moved into right guard and he's looked very good, I think, at right guard. And he struggled at times. He's not like a pro bowl or anything like that, but he struggled at times, but he's been good enough at right guard that I'm not bringing Mike Onwenu back to play right guard. I'm not doing that. And so, you know, now listen, could we could City so play left guard and Onwenu could play right guard, but then are you giving up on Cole Strange and you're like I you know, like those are the those are the questions you got to answer. But if you if I'm if the question is bring Mike Onwenu back to play right guard or not bring Mike Onwenu back, I'm choosing option B because 
I feel like we have a good enough right guard that we can be fine and not pay $11 million a year for our right guard. And there's certainly other needs that need to be filled, especially on offense. It's not like they're a loaded team, and this is the biggest question going on. And a lot's also going to depend on who the other free agents are, because signing on when you might make more sense if you get to free agency and there aren't tackles that you feel like you can sign and start day one. I mean, we don't know what that's going to look like. And and we talk about bringing Trent Brown back some based on some of the things he said. I think you have to question if he would come back for, Mm -hmm. you know, similar money as what he's going to get elsewhere. And it's also going to depend on who the coach is. Um and I think, you know, the other thing with all this, we can talk about what we want for this team, but what's going to matter is whoever it is that's making the decisions. We don't know who right. is going to be making the decisions and how they're going to see these players. Uh, it could be somebody internal who sees the players similarly to how they have been used, but it could be somebody of a very different system who might look at a city so and say, hey, this is a, a power run blocking guard who can't pass block that well, and I don't think he's a system fit, so we're going to keep on Wenu, and we're going to use right. So as a backup, and we're going to add a tackle or something like that. Like I think uh, scheme fit is going to matter a ton because the scheme might be very different, and the the eye for talent might be very different in two months, three months, four months, whenever it is we're doing this. That's a great point. It's a great point, too. And so uh, the, the challenging thing becomes – you understand, you look at the offense, and you understand how talent deficient they are. And what we want is we want talent at the quarterback position, and we want talent at the wide receiver position. And we want a line that's good enough. Right? We'd love a a top-tier offensive line. Of course, like you look at Detroit and what Detroit's been able to do and how good their offensive line is, and you sit there and say, man, like, that offensive line is unbelievable. They win because of their offensive line. And, of course, they also have playmakers. They hit on Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, Jared Goff's playing really well. They have a, a good offensive system. Jameer Gibbs is an electric player when he gets the ball. Like, they, you know, so we can go down the list. But the hard thing for me is that I look at it and think, okay, if you don't re-sign Trent Brown and or Mike Unwinning, now you got at least one tackle position open. You have to address one of them in, in free agency. You have to. I'm sorry. You have to sign a guy in free agency. Like if you if you have two tackle spots, you you got to sign at least one guy in free agency. And then you're using a top pick on a on a tackle because you have to because you can't go into the season without a left tackle. And those guys are just as hard to find as quarterbacks. I mean, if you look, there are not a lot of left tackles that were not first round picks, right? I mean, that is right. a tough spot to fill unless you're going to use, like, the the first pick. Right. I think we'd all rather use it on a quarterback or a receiver. 100%. It's what Walker Little played last night. Hurt, hurt, hurt Trevor Lawrence, but played last night. He was a second-round, second, third-round pick. So, like, you know, it doesn't happen often. And so you're going to have to get one of those guys. And there are two really good guys at the top of the draft. The problem with, with those two really good guys at the top of the draft is also a ton of good quarterbacks and a ton of good wide receivers – and that means you're taking that guy over a quarterback or a wide receiver. And, you know, I think that would be really tough for a lot of people to take. And I don't know how much I love that, taking a guy over a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. or a guy like Caleb Williams or Drake May. And, you know, that's going to be the real question. Can you get one of those guys in the second round? I don't know. It's tough because you, if you have a choice between a solid – tackle and a star receiver or a star tackle and a solid receiver 
you'd pick the star receiver and the solid tackle every time. But it's hard to but but the flip side of that is you can sometimes get star receivers, you know, later in the draft. I mean, AJ Brown was a second round pick. Uh Debo Samuel is a second round pick. Uh Stefan Diggs is what a fifth round pick. I mean, the, yeah. those guys sometimes Cooper, Cooper Cup. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. And so you can it's it might be easier to get a star receiver later than it is to get a solid left tackle later, just based on what scarcity of that. I mean, there's only so many like six, six, three, ten guys who have good feet <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yes. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I don't that's why I think in an ideal world, if you could feel good about the offensive line after the next five weeks, that's the best spot. If you can feel like you have a starting five that doesn't have to be Super Bowl contender worthy, but is good enough that you can put a quarterback behind it and feel comfortable and then just bring that back. I think that's the ideal. I just don't know if I feel good about that after this past Sunday. And, you know, you get to you get to face uh, Mr. Watt Thursday night. I think we're going to yeah. find out a little bit about how these guys are playing after that. Well, and that's I mean, that's what it comes down to. Right. Because you win in this league with great pass rushers and great pass protectors and obviously great pass catchers and quarterbacks and everything else. But you have to be able to get after the quarterback and you have to be able to protect the quarterback because you have to throw the ball. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about, you know, are, who are we going to draft? And, and look, I think, I think it becomes an issue when you start to now look at it and say, all right, they don't have any, they don't have any weapons either. <laughs> like they don't have any legitimate weapons either. Right. And so if that's the case, how can you then justify turning down your two biggest needs to take a tackle when you could address tackle and free agency? And we've talked about this, Matt. You're not high on T. Higgins. There are probably other guys that are available that will become available that you could theoretically go after. Right. Depending on what teams are going to want to do. Will Michael Pittman become available in the last year of his contract? I don't think so because they have a young quarterback. So I think they're going to want to pair him with with Pittman long term. But like, is a guy like that going to come available that you can try to acquire? The problem is you did that with Devontae Parker and it didn't work. Now Parker's a little older, is a lot older than than Pittman is now. But still, that that's still not what you want to see. And Mike Evans is a great answer, Gary, but like Mike Evans is like 31. Like, you know, is he going to be your number one receiver? I don't, I just don't know how well that works. Well, I think one of the things here, I mean, Kendrick Bourne has been your most reliable receiver as of late, and he's a free agent. So I think one of the questions is if he's coming back. Right. Um, but then in and Hunter Henry, that, too. Yep, Hunter Henry, who has kind of faded. I mean, yeah. we have not seen as much from him since year one in New England. Uh, I think, you know, the ball. he's open. He's not throwing the ball. But if I had to bring back one of the tight ends in this group, I'm bringing back Pharaoh Brown because he's the only one who can catch passes and run block. Uh, and if the tackle situation is <laughs> going to be what it's been, I'll take the guy who can block out there right now. Um, but no, when you look at uh, free agency for wide receivers, Hollywood Brown is a name that interests me because mm-hmm. he's not going to totally break the bank, I don't think, assuming he actually hits free agency and Arizona lets him get there. He's got speed. He's a decent route runner. He doesn't have the best hands, and he's not like a contested catch guy. But if your goal is to increase team speed and create some space for quarterback to work with, and if you assume you're also drafting a receiver in there, now if you go into the draft with a receiver group that has 
Hollywood Brown, Demario Douglas, and Kendrick Bourne, and you're adding a guy on day two somewhere, I think that is a group that, in theory, can be good enough to put a a rookie receiver into. And, you know, they should be able to move the ball. It's not going to be perfect, but that's that's a real NFL receiving core right there. And then, you know, it's probably Juju Smith-Schuster is also hanging around because of that contract. And you kick yeah. Devontae Parker out of the building. You you turn off his code to Jesus Gillette uh, the day after the, the last regular him, season man. game. <laughs> brutal. Um I, I, and that's that's really interesting. And then the question too becomes: You have so you have the Panthers who are terrible, of course, right? And the Panthers may not win another game. And if they don't, then they have the number one pick. Of course, they don't have it. Chicago has it, which muddies the water a little bit. If Carolina had it, you would know they're not taking a quarterback at number one overall, right? I mean. Not- the way they've played, to be honest, would you know that they wouldn't be taking a quarterback? Well, you can't take a quarterback two straight years, number one overall. You can't do Didn't that. Didn't the Cardinals we, do that? The Cardinals did, did not do that. Was, Josh Rosen was number 10. Yeah. And they didn't trade like their entire franchise for the, for the number one pick either. But the point is, right, is that the Bears, and there's people talking about it in the chat right now, the Bears are taking a quarterback at number one. They're not. They're, they're taking a quarterback at number one. There's enough good wide receivers that you can get a wide receiver at whatever the pick ends up being. Right now, I think it's five. Even if it's seven, you can get a wide receiver there, whether it's Malik Neighbors or, you know, whomever, Keon, you know, Keon Coleman or whoever it is that you like as your second or third wide receiver is going to be available at number seven. The quarterback's not going to be. So if you love Caleb or you love Drake May, you're taking that guy at number one, and then you're drafting a quarterback, a running a wide receiver, I'm sorry, at number seven. If they draft a wide receiver, they might look at it and say, we're drafting a tackle at number seven. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but either way, I think I think we can look at it and say, if Carolina doesn't lose, the quarterback's going to be gone number one. And, I mean, and say, think- Chicago, say Chicago trades out, the person trading up is going to be getting a, a quarterback. So that's what I think, at least. The, the first two picks, I think, are quarterbacks. Whether they're quarterbacks taken by the teams that currently have those picks right. or they trade them. But, like, it'd be crazy to – take some other position there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, Dave, we talk about quarterback here. I know there's kind of the assumption that Patriots probably go quarterback in round one, the way things look. Do you think they should do this like Washington did back in 2012? When you look at the state of the quarterback room and double down and take a quarterback later in the draft, do you think that's a good strategy here or with where they are? Was that maybe a waste of draft capital on day two or three that could be used elsewhere? I mean, I, my my feeling is that you, if you like quarterbacks, take quarterbacks because they're tough to get, man. It's uh, and I I mean I think they should sign someone in free agency, and I think they should draft someone, and if they like a guy later too, draft him as well. I mean, what? Yeah, did did they need Tom Brady when they took him in two thousand in the sixth round, and they already had three other guys? Like, not really, but. I mean, that, that one worked out pretty well. Um, yeah. I, I think Same for you, San Francisco with Purdy there in the seventh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you you just, you don't know. I, I mean, there's so much uncertainty around it. I think the best bet is just to give yourself more bites of the apple. Right. And that's, and look, I agree completely. And that's, you look at what Washington did. They ended up with a guy that could have been a franchise quarterback if he could have stayed healthy, I think. We'll never know, of course, but I think he could have been a franchise quarterback if he had stayed healthy, which, of course, he didn't. 
And they still ended up with Kirk Cousins, who is a very good player, right? And I think he has his deficiencies, as we've gone over a million times and people have talked about a million times. But overall, he's a pretty darn good quarterback, right? He's a guy that you can win with. You may not be able to win a championship with him, but you can certainly win and compete with him. Um, and he can keep you relevant and competitive. And so, you know, obviously it worked out for them. I think it's not a bad idea for the Patriots. Look, you're looking at this team. They've tried to cut Bailey Zappi multiple times. Whoever comes in, right, they are probably going to be from some staff in the NFL somewhere. Clearly they don't love Bailey Zappi either because all those teams had a chance to pick Bailey Zappi up. And I know the argument that I get from all the from the, from all the Zappi stands is that, well, people try to sign him to their practice squad because that's nice as their third or fourth wide quarterback. Like they don't care about him being a backup. And so you have to assume whoever comes in isn't going to love him being their backup. Mac Jones can't be here next year. He's got to go somewhere else. He's ruined in New England. He's destroyed. The Patriots have destroyed him. Whether he can ever find it again or not, I don't know. But the Patriots have ruined him. Um, and so he needs to go. And like Will Greer. Even Malik Cunningham, like, fine. You want to keep Malik Cunningham in the practice squad? I can, I'm, I'm totally on board with that, 100%. But, like, is he ever going to actually be a quarterback for the Patriots? Like, the, the Patriots don't have a don't have a starting quarterback. Like, they don't have one. Mac Jones is awful. Bailey Zappi's maybe a, a tiny little bit better, but probably not. And Malik Cunningham still isn't getting snaps at quarterback, at least consistent snaps at quarterback. He's still wearing a wide receiver jersey in practice. So, like, they don't even consider him a quarterback in this crap situation that they're in right now. And so I look at that and say, well, I mean, he clearly isn't going to play for the Patriots as a quarterback. And, I mean, maybe the next guy sees him as that, but I can't imagine they do. Now, Dave, I know you obviously did a lot of research for your book. Do you have any insight on GMs coming in and having their first ever draft pick be a quarterback, you know, taken as highly as where the Patriots are going to pick? And I mean, does that does it happen and does it work out? It it does happen. I mean, one that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Thomas Dimitrov coming into Atlanta and taking Matt Ryan, I think, with the second overall pick and. 2008 or whatever year that was. I think it depends. Uh, I mean, the tough part is two things. First of all, like if you take a quarterback, you're married to a quarterback. Like there aren't a lot of general managers to get to pick a second quarterback if their first one fails. So you're kind of staking your career and your reputation on that. And the second thing is most scout movement happens after the draft. So if they fire Bill Belichick at the end of the season, they hire a new GM, that GM comes in, he's not going to have an opportunity to bring people with him. So right. he he's either relying on the work product of the people who are already here, you know, the people working under under uh, Belichick and, and Matt Groh, or he's just like going off the reservation on his own like opinion on on these guys like I just believe in Drake May and I don't care what any of the scouts on my on my team say so it's it's a curious position and I think the stomach to draft a quarterback really high in their first draft is going to depend on both like how how much familiarity there is with the Patriots staff in their system. Like if they hire a GM 
like John Robinson, for instance, you know, who has worked in New England for a long time and very familiar with what they do, he might be more comfortable leaning on the, the existing staff. Or, or Adam Peters from the 49ers. He worked on the Patriots for a long time. If they hire someone from a totally different system, that's a different kettle of fish. And the other thing is their background. You know, if they hire a guy who's been on the college scouting side, maybe he feels comfortable going it alone on his own opinion. That was the case with Thomas Dimitrov, who was a college scouting guy. That was his background. If you hire a guy from the pro scouting side, he's probably going to be a lot less comfortable with that because that's not the world that he's been in. Do you have a preference there between college scouting side and pro scouting side for, for hiring as we look at next steps? Um, I, I don't, I mean, I think there are success stories in both camps. It's, it's really hard to, and in the book I went through, you know, some of the GM candidates that I'd be interested in interviewing, it's really hard to evaluate GM candidates because you don't know who would input on what decisions, you know, if you're hiring a head coach, if he's the offensive coordinator, you can look at the offense and assume he had a big role in the offense, but you know, your director of college scouting, he gets like so many picks a year and he can get overruled by the GM or maybe the, you know, somebody else in the, in the building. Like you don't know, maybe he was the guy in the building who didn't want, you know, them to take Nikhil Harry over, uh, over DK Metcalf, you know, you just, there's so little we understand about what goes on in any individual front office. Um, so I think it's hard to evaluate GM candidates um, generally. I think like the, I think the draft is a little crap shooty. So maybe I'd rather a pro scouting guy because there's probably more <laughs> real differentiated skill involved there, but I, I mean, there have certainly been great college scouts who went on to be great GMs. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's 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 an interesting conversation to have, and I don't know who's going to be the guy. I just, you know, I've heard people say Belichick's going to be back, and this, I just, I don't know how you bring him back at this point. I just, I don't know how you can possibly bring him back after what you've seen the last few years, and especially, you know the the situation that's happening right now like where they haven't drafted well in years right and it looks like they hit on christian gonzalez it looks like they semi hit on keon white maybe they got uh, you know a, a player in city so i think bryce barringer is good but he's a punter so like you know so like I haven't seen anything from Marne Mapu. I think he's playing out of position, but whatever, doesn't matter. Like even still, that's that's more towards the coaching, right? So you can now you can start to look at it and say we go back and forth and look at it. I, I just I don't know. It, it's it's one of those tough situations that I just think we have to move on. And someone asked about Troy Brown. He's got to go. Troy Brown's got to go. We haven't seen. When's the last time you saw a Patriots receiver get better? It's been years. I mean, I just we. I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Um, and so that's that's situation for me. And and look, the question, and because this guy's saying, which he's right, firing Belichick will be dumb, right, is what he said. And I don't blame him for feeling that way because the first question that people ask, and it's a and it's it's a completely legitimate question. Who are they gonna get to replace him? Who's gonna replace Bill Belichick, right? And my answer to that question is. 
I was actually, I was funny. I was talking to the guy in front of me at the at the game about this. The guy they bring in is not going to be better than Bill Belichick. He's not going to be, but he's going to be different. <laughs> and we need different. Like we do. We need someone different. And maybe, maybe he can grow the team and the team can grow with him and he can get better and so on and so forth. And so, and I don't know, I don't know if the game is past Belichick by, I'm not sure what's going on. I do know that what's happening right now is not working. And we've seen the team get progressively worse since 2019. And it's not like they've just sat on their hands and done nothing. They've done a million, they've tried a million different things. They've brought guys in, they've signed guys, they drafted guys, they've traded for guys, they've done all the, and none of it has worked. And so like at a certain point, you have to sit there and say, okay, whatever was going on, it isn't working. And so we have to start over. I think too, you know, you, first of all, a lot of really good team builders and a lot of really good coaches have disaster seasons. I mean, it's, the weird thing is that we haven't. I mean, the Howie Roseman's great, right? They went 4-11-1 and one, three years ago, or Jalen Hurts' rookie season, uh, something like that. The Kyle Shanahan's had three seasons where they won six games or less. Yep. Um, so, but I, I, do, I do agree, like, the overall trend has been bad. And the other thing is, even if you have all the faith in the world that Belichick could turn this around given enough time. He's going to be 72. Like at some point, it just makes sense to say, let's, it's, it's time, you know, it's kind of like the Brady situation. It was time for everyone to move on there. And maybe it's time for everyone to move on now. Well, I think that's what I've been saying. I think if, if Belichick were turning 62, I think there'd be a decent argument to say, Hey, Let's give him one more shot at a quarterback and one more shot to get this thing into into shape. Uh, but with his age, I mean, right now, if you draft a rookie quarterback, is Belichick still going to be there when it's time to to decide on the fifth year option for that QB? I mean, and if he's not and he he won't, then it doesn't make sense to have him be the guy picking the quarterback. Couldn't agree more. All right, let's we we are we've put off our break here. Let's let's take a break and we'll be back. Um, just kind of finishing up. Our thoughts there. I do want to talk the the top of the draft and kind of what you think is going to happen, and then and then uh, we then should we'll talk defense too. How to build that out? Good point. I like that. All right, here we go. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's a hundred and fifty bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. MA21 Plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pre-game money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. 
All right, so so let's get into the defense a little bit because look, the defense is the defense right now is playing out of their minds. They're playing great. And it's really kind of it's a patchwork secondary, right? You're talking about Jonathan Jones and JC Jackson and um what's his name? Uh Miles Bryant. Th- those are your those Legend. are your top three corners right now, right? <laughs> and so and so that's one of those situations where it's like, well, wait a second. They're doing that with this, which is not good, right? And so, you know, the fact that they're still not giving up a ton of points. And, and look, I, I understand. I get it. I do understand that they haven't played high-powered offenses. I understand that. But giving up 10 points in the NFL three straight games is impressive. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care who it's against. It doesn't matter. It's smart. It's good. And so – um so anyway, so I think that that's, you know, they're playing really well right now, but Matthew Judon's going to need a new contract. You're going to have to decide about Kyle Duggar. You're going to have to decide about, well, Peppers is is not a free agent, so fine, but you got to decide about Kyle Duggar. I think uh, Pe- Peppers and Judon each have one year left after this upcoming season. So Yes, but Judon, the issue with Judon is that they gave him money. They did, they did what they did with Stephon Gilmore where they gave him extra money this year, but they took the money out of next year's salary. So next year, his number is super low. He's getting paid like almost nothing next year. And so you're going to have to renegotiate his deal if you want him to stay here. That's and awesome. I think they did that to give him, you know, hey, we want it, we want, we love you here. We want to give you some more money. But maybe we're not, you know, we're far away on a, on a contract extension, but we're going to give you this money because we want to extend you. Right? And I think... What you've seen from Judon, frankly, I will be so disgusted with the Patriots if they let Matthew Judon walk. So disgusted because the thing is, not only is he a great player, this guy's hurt. He's been at every game. He's been in all the away games. He was out running sprints. He raced Matthew. So while they were running like the first team offense warmups on uh, on Sunday. He was out there running sprints and racing Matthew Slater. Like, he's out there with the guys still. And, like, he's around the team. He's in the locker room. He's inspiring guys. He's talking to you. That's the exact guy. The exact guy that you need in your locker room. If you let that guy walk because you won't give him any extra money, that's absolute crap. And I'll be pissed at the Patriots for doing that. Regardless of who the guy is. That should be the first guy. Like, if you walk in and you're a new guy, you should be like, "All right, we gotta lock that guy up." That should be number priority number one. He is gonna turn 32 in the preseason next year, so he's true. Yeah, probably you don't want to go too long in terms of years and guarantees. Right. Yeah, maybe not a five year deal, but a three year deal. You know, or or, or two extra years. Right. Bump up this year and then two extra years after that. I think is is totally reasonable. Well, and I think the other side is there's an argument to to be made for trading him if you can't figure out the deal too with one full year left and yeah. a good pass rusher and a team leader. If you're not going to be good and you know he's not going to be around when you're good again, if you can get something back for him, I think there's value there. It's just the issue becomes uh, if if Uche ends up leaving in free agency and you trade Judon, who's rushing the passer? And right. those guys are usually not that cheap to get. And you're either paying a lot in free agency or you are drafting them high. This is this is what we've been talking about. I mean, it's this is the issue. Like they need offensive tackle, which you can usually only get in the first round. And they need quarterback, which you can usually only get in the first round. And they can and they need 
they might need defensive end for outside linebacker, which you can usually only get in the first round or maybe the second. And they need wide receiver, which, you know, you, you don't want to pass on the guys that are sitting there because you have some really good prospects and you're going to be picking. So it's, you know, not the spot you want to be in. Outside of that, they're fine. They just need the four most important positions that you can only use first round picks on. <laughs> yeah, I think the pass rush has been a problem since Judon went down. I mean, last game they only gave up six points, but they – Herbert had all day on some of those dropbacks. I mean, he, uh, they were not getting much heat on him. No, Josh Uchay has disappeared. He's disappeared. Uh, he's in witness protection, maybe. Like, he made a nice play on Sunday on a reverse, right? Didn't make the tackle, but he made a nice play. But that's it. I haven't seen anything from him, you know? And so, like, that's a guy that supposedly was going to get paid a lot of money. I'm not paying that guy, you know, and, and maybe he'll go somewhere else and dominate. And Matt, you've said it before, like he's going to go somewhere else that, and they're just going to let him rush the passer and he's going to have 15 sacks. And that might be true. That's all he does here in New England too. It's not like they have him out on, on rushing downs. He's out here rushing the passer and he's getting one-on-one a good amount and he can't beat his guy. That's just, he's just, he's not an elite pass rusher. And if he's going to get paid like it, man, I, I see you later, buddy. Well, and then you also look at the three other guys who've been playing on the edge a lot, and it's Anthony Jennings, Keon White, and Dietrich Wise. And all three of those guys are in that bottom left corner of the pass rushing graph where they're getting easy opportunities and not winning them. Right. And, you know, they're all good run defenders. They're not bad players, but, um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to win football games if you can't win on the line of scrimmage against the pass in particular. And, or they're going unless Keon White breaks out here in his second year, which what he was a five year, six year college guy, something like that. Yeah. I'm not he's sure if he's older, breaking out at this point. Price. He might be as good as he's getting, so you might need more investment on that defensive line in the future. Dave, is that something you think is gonna have to happen in the first round from what you've looked at? Or I mean, I, I think they've actually done a pretty good job finding I mean, most teams most teams, yeah, you end up not being able to find those guys outside of, of the first round, but they've done a pretty good job getting some of those guys in the middle rounds with these power edges. Like other than Uche, who's kind of your classic, like bendy speed rusher. A lot of these guys, you know, Judon, they didn't draft, but he's in that mold wise. Um, mm. uh, Trey flowers is like that, like kind of more power edges, not your traditional bendy speed uh, edge guy, but guys who went in technique and power. Um, they've been able to find those guys in the middle rounds, but I mean, if they're changing, I mean, this is the other thing. If, if you're going to keep Mayo as the head coach, then those guys, maybe you can still find those guys. Maybe you can still use those guys, but if you're going to change your, your head coach, you're going to change your defensive scheme, you know, maybe it's harder to find those guys and maybe you need a different body type. And that goes for some of the other positions too. Like I look at those linebackers, you know, Batley and Tavai have been playing really well this year, but if they go to like the scheme, the 49ers run, those guys can't play that. That's not what they want out of linebackers. Right. Well, and that's, and that's the question, right? And then do you move a guy like Mapu into, right into that linebacker spot? Right. And I just, I don't know. That's, it's just, there's a lot of questions on the defense side of the ball as far as like the, those things are concerned. Now, Mayo, I wouldn't necessarily hate Mayo being the coach, 
right? You've seen what D'Amico Ryans has been able to do in Houston. Now, D'Amico Ryans is a different guy than Mayo is, obviously. But, like, I wouldn't hate it. Now, what he has is a very good offensive coordinator. But I don't, like, I want, what I want is a new guy. Don't give me a retread. I swear to God, if Jim freaking Harbaugh is the coach of this team, I'm going to I'm gonna murder someone. I just, I can't. I cannot do it. What, what do you Harbaugh. think of that, Dave? What do you think of Jim Harbaugh as that coach? I mean, I when I studied retreads generally, they actually had a little bit better track record than new hires. So I'm not – I mean, Bill Belichick was a retread, right? Right. Pete Carroll in Seattle was a retread. Certainly there, there are success stories with those because I think you filter out like the Cam Camerons who are just disasters. Harbaugh, I think, is a guy that is a really good culture bringer but he has a shelf life, I think. And that works really well in college where you, you know, you, they don't, they don't have to look at your face that, that many years. Um, right. I think and you can make it like a cult there too, with the way you kind yeah. of control the yes. players in a way you don't do in the NFL. <laughs> so maybe he would produce kind of more immediate results, but you know, if you're looking for a guy who's going to be here for 10 years, I'm not sure he's that guy in the NFL. Someone mentioned Vrabel. I also don't want Vrabel here. I like Mike Vrabel a lot. I like him a lot. I don't want Mike Vrabel here. I don't. I just look at what's going on in Tennessee. Like, they're just not – they're fine. But does that strike you as, as like, institutional stability? Like, the, they're just – I don't know. I, I've never been able to tell if Tennessee is a, a good team that, like, gets held back or – a really bad team that only ever looks competitive because of the coach. Right. Um, and I don't know, it's hard to parse. It's, it's a weird situation going on there too, with the, the way it was, the GM got fired after the AJ Brown game last year, which I've never, I've never quite seen a GM firing like that. <laughs> you know, the owner comes out and says, wow, look at this move that you did. And it just cost us this game. And I'm firing you now because of that. Uh, you sure. rarely see that. And yeah. Well, but you I, wonder I the ownership there in Tennessee too. That makes well, and you wonder so too, like you also wonder. It's a funny ownership does that. Did they want to re-sign AJ Brown, and ownership wouldn't give them the go-ahead to to pay? And I don't know. I I don't know that for a fact. But like, has Tennessee broke the bank on a bunch of different guys? Like, I don't think so. I mean, they trade they dr- dr- they traded him and then drafted. Um, Traylon Burks like they tried to draft his replacement with the pick they got for him so like they knew they needed a wide receiver but instead of signing AJ Brown they drafted Traylon Burks like I don't know and and again I'm not I have no idea I have no basis of knowledge in that I haven't heard anything there's been no nut but like it seems weird that you let like one of the best receivers in the NFL walk and draft a guy that you think can be his replacement by the way stinks they uh-huh. tried to do what Minnesota did when they traded Stephon Diggs and drafted sure. Justin Jefferson, but obviously not the same results. If right. only it were that easy to just draft an all-pro wide receiver Wouldn't it be and then draft another all-pro wide receiver. I know. Jeez, I'd, like, I'd take one all-pro wide receiver. So, Have the Patriots ever drafted an all-pro Global. wide receiver? I, I doubt how it. Long all, has all, how long well, has all-pro been at that? Sandy Morgan, probably. Stanley Morgan was an All-Pro, I'm sure, and they drafted him. Irving the, Flyer uh, was highest, an All-Pro, right? I looked this up. The highest contract they've given a wide receiver in terms of like total years that announced and total total money 
announced at the time is uh, when they extended Terry Glenn in uh, 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Surprised I didn't get a spit take there from Pat. Almost did. He he may have been an all pro too at some point. Um, but you know, I think Marvin Harrison might turn out a little bit better than Terry Glenn. But what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. No, AB got nine million for one year, didn't he? Not fifteen, was it? Was it nine? I don't know. I've pushed that entire thing out of my head. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was supposed to be like fifteen, but I think they might have ended up paying him more, like nine. Right. Uh, by the way, people in the chat are driving me crazy with the <laughs> with like the the going back and forth, calling each other clowns about this is going to happen and that's going to happen. I, do you see a world, Dave, where Marvin Harrison Jr. goes number one overall? Like, do you see a world where Marvin Harrison and, and okay, two questions, two part question. Number one, do you see a world in where Marvin Harrison goes number one overall? And part two, how incredibly stupid would the Bears have to be to take to not take a quarterback at number one overall? How incredibly stupid would that be? Because the Bears. They, they cannot have faith in Justin Fields. They can't. After seeing what you've seen, after after what has happened there, you can't. You cannot possibly still believe that Justin Fields is the guy in Chicago. Now, maybe he can be a good quarterback. But these guys, these guys are generational-type quarterbacks. They are. This is not two years ago or last year, right, when – the quarter, oh, no, two years ago, right? Kenny Pickett I mean, went, was the only guy taken in the okay. first round. That's not two years ago. Right? I think, I think there's a chance this might be like 2021, where there's one generational guy and a whole bunch of other right. dudes who show something and get drafted high. <laughs> well, and you might be right. You might be right. The only difference, see, the difference for me between this and 2021, like. I saw Zach Wilson. I have never been so sure in my life that a guy was going to bust. Never. I knew from the second I saw his tape, I'm like, there's no way this guy's ever going to be good in the NFL. And then when the Jets took him, I'm like, there's definitely no chance he's going to be good because he's on the Jets. But like, but it was one of those things where I was like, I knew that I knew he was going to suck. Trey Lance was a massive red flag, a massive red flag, right? And Mac Jones. I loved Fields coming out. I loved him. He was my number one – well, not my number one quarterback. He was my number two quarterback because obviously T-Law was, was the number one quarterback. Fields, I thought, was was the number two quarterback by a good margin. And I thought Mac was fine, but, like, nothing special. To me, you have Caleb who's – who, to me, skills are off the charts. Like, the, the skills are off the charts. I don't know what the rest of it. Like, the problem with quarterback is that it's not just skills. It's it's everything else, right? I don't know if he has that. I don't know. He might, but I don't know. Drake May looks like same type of guy. Jaden Daniels looks like a freaking monster. Like, Jaden Daniels is probably going to win the Heisman, and he's very well-deserving of it. He's been fantastic this year. So, like, I just think that – and even if you want to include Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix Jr., who I don't really like Bo Nix, and I'm going to be so sad if the Patriots draft Bo Nix and he's their starting quarterback. But like the guy who played against Mac Jones and <laughs> just he was he was a freshman when Mac Jones is a freshman. Like, what are we doing? Like, come on, man! A lot of these 
quarterbacks are really because Jaden Daniels is I mean they're it's like yeah they're all a clip of him throwing a touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk. I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got Daniels is a fifth year yeah Nick's is a fifth year Penix is a sixth year guy yeah which that's that's the other thing here is like we're starting to enter nearly Brandon Whedon territory with these guys and well, it's COVID not quite... screwed everything up everyone's coming out late though I feel like well, and it's like I don't I don't know how to factor that into evaluations because usually the la- the longer a guy is in college before they come into the draft, the more questions you're going to have about how they're finding their success and how it's going to translate. Quarterback is a little bit different, but also, is it if we're I mean if we're looking at guys who are sixth year quarterbacks playing against guys who are nineteen twenty years old, I feel like there has to be some advantage if you're 24 playing in college um right. but I've, i have no idea how to evaluate that yeah yeah and i to go back to your original question pat i i mean i do think the first two picks should be quarterbacks and if for whatever reason whatever team is picking there decides they're not sold on it they should trade the pick to someone who is because someone's going to pay a lot to go up but yeah i think chicago i mean they're in a i, I can't see them sticking with fields at this point. I, I guess maybe if they get really hot to end the year or something, but and I mean, and look is it the same position Mac is in, you know? This well, is, and if this it's is not if, if you're if you're a quarterback and you're a stay hot to end the year away from possibly being a good quarterback, you're not a good quarterback. Like, you don't have to talk yourself into it usually. Correct. Like it's yep. if you're good, it's obvious. So if you right. if you got questions, then it's not the guy. Well, and that's the thing, right? And to quote Austin Gale, right? Austin Gale has said before, and I think it's it's just genius. The worst thing you can have in the NFL is a good quarterback. It's the absolute worst thing you can have in the NFL. You do just not want good. good quarterback. You want a great quarterback. You want a transcendent quarterback, or you want a shit quarterback. Those are the three <laughs> options. That's Dad, it. I would take a good quarterback at this point. Well, <laughs> yes, you're right. It would make it more tolerable. The problem is that if you have a good quarterback, you end up like the Giants, and you're paying Daniel Jones 140. I don't, yeah, I don't think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. Is yeah, well, but, but when they're, I say, when I say good, quarterback, I mean like just good, like just fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, just a good enough to pay is right. the area right. where you don't want to. That's the issue, right? And maybe, that's your yeah, Daniel so Jones. That's Jared Goff when the Rams decided to move on yeah, from him. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think, you know, hey, I, I don't know. I, I'm not in the chat. I don't know if anyone is still making the case for Mac Jones. <laughs> no one is. <laughs> the year no of our is. Lord 2023. No. But, no. I mean, with Fields, with, with Jones, all these guys, I mean, this is the time we have to pick up the fifth-year option. Um, right. And so – and, and Jordan Love, too, is kind of in this boat. So at this point, you either got to decide, like, okay, we're in for two years or you got to move on because you don't want to go into that year with, like, a lame duck quarterback. And, yeah. you know, we'll see after that. Yeah, you get – I mean, they got to trade him. And so – and by the way, I don't want to cast dispersions on Marvin Harrison Jr. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is a phenomenal, a phenomenal wide receiver – he could be the best wide receiver to come out in the last five years. Like, and that that's legitimate. He's incredible. But like, if you have a massive hole at quarterback and you have a guy that you feel is a franchise altering player at that position, it's, it's just more important. It's just more important. You have to draft that guy. And so like, 
It doesn't matter that Marvin Harrison Jr. is a is a transcendent receiver. That's great. Justin Jefferson is a transcendent receiver. How's that worked out for Minnesota? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't matter if you don't have the great quarterback. You're not going to win. You're still not going to win without it, right? And so you have to have the the quarterback. To me, it's just more important. And so if you have that number one pick, and especially being in the Bears situation, the Bears are going to have another top ten pick. You can get another really good wide receiver. He's not going to be as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. He's not. But, like, you can get another really good guy in that spot. I think you'd be silly to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. number one and then pray that one of those quarterbacks drops to six for you. I just think that's stupid. I think quarterback is tough in the draft, too, because it's you can't can't afford to not take a quarterback if you're in a position to take a quarterback but you also can't afford to take a quarterback and miss in some ways like it's right and that's why it all comes down to how you feel about an individual quarterback prospect and how you feel like they fit your team and the people you have so it's hard to look at the, the players the patriots are putting out at the quarterback position right now and say that they shouldn't take a quarterback at number two overall but also Maybe they shouldn't take a quarterback at number two overall because we don't know what it's going to look like and we don't know how we're going to feel about it in however many months. We don't know what the trade offers are going to be. and We don't know what free agency is going to look like. And um, Well, if, you, yeah, if you're not if you're not sold on Drake May or whoever is the number two guy, I think you got to trade that pick to someone who is. Correct. I mean, I don't think yes. you take a different position there. I think then you no, do what, you know, Philly did when they had their terrible season and they traded back and they turned that into future picks and then they turned that into, you know, a bunch of picks and somewhere in there they got A.J. Brown in a year when they had multiple first-round picks. I mean, that's uh, – and they also somehow managed to trade Carson Wentz for a first-round pick. That was wild. Insane. Well, yeah, well, I would take – I'd take, I think somebody would have to give us like a first round pick for Mac Jones, right? He's yeah. that, if there's any GMs 100%. listening, it's going to take a first round pick to pry Mac Jones take. out of here. That's what it's going to yeah. take, man. We want him back, you know? So, <laughs> no, but I mean, really, I mean, that's, I just think, I think we're in the situation. They have a ton of holes. You have to go after something and you have to draft a quarterback. And I, I agree with you, Dave, is that if you're not sold on that guy, there's, there's a guy that you're probably sold on, right? Because, you know, it's if it's not Drake May or Caleb Williams, it's Michael Penix Jr. or it's Bo Nix. Bo Nix isn't going number two overall. You know what I mean? Like you can trade yeah. back to 10. Let's just say 10. Draft Bo Nix at 10 and pick up a whole crap ton of capital to help fill in those other spots. Well, and I, I, you know, I don't know. Once you get beyond a certain point, it's not about being sold anymore. And I mean, there are years where there are no good quarterbacks. There are right. years where there's just one good quarterback. So they might not be sold on anybody. And if they're not sold on anybody, they should still take one anyway. But then maybe it becomes like, you know, second, third round, you know, trade back in the first, pick up some extra capital, use an extra day two pick that you get in that to take a right. quarterback somewhere who's, basically just a dart throw because who knows right where the eagles sold on jalen hurts when they drafted him but and they didn't even have a spot for him but right now well and i think i think too it depends on to me it's just it's so much about like skills 
and skill set. Like, I, I'm not, I'm sorry. Like, I, I just, I'm all set with a pocket passer. Just please, God, don't draft another pocket passer. Because that's one of the reasons I don't like Bo Nix is because, and I know Ashton, it killed me to say that. I'm sorry. But, like, he has a little bit of mobility, but not, but not nearly can, what I want. Bo Nix can move a little bit. I think that's one of the things, too. There's no more Drew Bledsoe's really coming right. out in the draft, at least not. Not getting picked, but like, can he that move high? like Mac Jones? Because Mac Jones, by the way, had the same forty time as as Patrick Mahomes. So like, Mac Jones can move a little bit too. The problem is he can't he can't create with his legs. And Bo Nix can, and they like call runs for him at Oregon. Yeah, I, I don't love his tape. I think there's a lot of issues. And yeah, you worry with all three of the older quarterbacks about having maxed out their skill sets at this point too, just given where they are in their development. But right. I do think that any of those three would likely be the best quarterback on the Patriots roster if you put them on the yeah. roster right now. And I would agree. do that and sign Baker Mayfield or whomever and see what it looks like. And you're probably going to be bad enough that you're within trading distance of a quarterback next year. <laughs> you would think. You would think. So, yeah. So we'll see. All right. Let's. Uh... Right. And any last thoughts from Dave before we yeah. our last segments on on like what your what would you, your plan be from here if you got to pick? I mean, I think I think other than quarterback, you just they just have to invest more in the the offensive infrastructure. Um, and I mean they they didn't they didn't do a good enough job adding pieces around Mac. And I think Mac has a lot of deficiencies, but I think they haven't done him any favors. And, you know, right now they're not doing Bailey Zappi any favors with what right. being surrounded with. Uh, the, the other thing I think that we talked a little about defense, I feel a lot worse about cornerback than I did coming into the year because Christian Gonzalez looks, looked great for that month, but Jack Jones is gone. Marcus Jones, I, I know, Pat, he's your boy, but I, I don't know where he fits <laughs> defensively. I, like, I'm sure he's a great return guy, but I, they haven't really seemed willing to use him in the slot, and he's very undersized for an outside guy. Jonathan Jones is getting older. Miles Bryant is a free agent, so whatever you think of Miles Bryant. Right, right. Uh, I mean, they, that's a position group that looked a lot better in September than it looks now. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if they draft like a corner in the first round again? People would go Tra- tra- trade no, back and draft Kool Aid McKinstry. No, I know. I know what you mean. I agree with you. You do have to bring because and we mentioned it, right? Like, not forget about the injuries, but like, you know, do you really want JC Jackson playing outside corner for you again next year? Like, oh, no, no, not know? fourteen so, million either. Right. So you have to. You're gonna have to. You know, and obviously you hope Christian Gonzalez is back. But it, well, Christian Gonzalez will be back, right? And so, but you you still have to fortify that position, and you just don't have anyone right now that can do that. I don't think. Well, I, I think if you have a true corner one, which Gonzalez appeared to be in the limited sample size, you can kind of throw mid round picks at other corners and f- right. you know, some money in free agency at other corners and make a secondary work. I think that's one spot where you can be effective in free agency and where defensive coaching can matter a ton and like. I will. I mean, I'm a I'm a Michigan guy, but I will say Mike Sanders still from Michigan is a guy who's looking like a third, fourth round prospect who I think fits what the Patriots do a ton. And he's a culture guy and you know, a guy who'd fit in 
very well with what the Patriots have done the last couple of years and with Jabril Peppers, who's another Michigan guy. And it's like, all right, that's a way you could add another body to the room without breaking the bank and right. add somebody who can be competitive next year and be your third, fourth, fifth corner, wherever he ends up in the depth chart. And you're still using your first three picks in the draft on offense and feeling good. That's a good point. I like it. I like it. All right. Let's get into our, our final segments. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun, Dave, but we were, we're it's not over yet. Don't worry, people. It's not <laughs> over yet. We still have our final segments. Uh, up first is our, our prop bets of the week. And uh, Matt went 2-0 last week. Matt had a Tony Pollard anytime touchdown. who scored a touchdown for the second game in a row. Pretty unbelievable. And he had the Falcons Jets under 34, which I mean, like that was cake. I, when, um, in, when in doubt, I'm finding the, the lowest under in, of the week and then betting the under because that's, insane, it's been that season in the NFL. I'm taking an insane under this week, uh, just a completely insane one. Um, I had I went one and one. I had the Bryce Young over 10 and a half rushing yards. He had zero rushing attempts. So that one didn't hit. And I had the Packers Chiefs over 42 and a half. On the year, Matt is 12 and 14. I am 8 and 18. A comfortable four behind. It's not looking good for me. Um, I'm, I think, probably going to be running the uh, the Patriots conditioning test, and that's okay. I don't mind. It's, that's our punishment here, Dave. Whoever loses has to do that. <laughs> yeah. I've accepted my fate, and uh, and I will do my best not and try not to die while I'm doing it. But, uh, but yeah, it's it just, it just – it's just the offensive line one. It's not the you know the one that wide receivers or something like that has to run. But still, it's uh, it's not great. So I can if I can be mildly more uh, cardio athletic than <laughs> Trent Brown, I'll be all right. So that, that's the standard. Uh, Dave, are you going to be joining us and making a couple prop bets? I. I don't think so, but you guys okay. go ahead and maybe I'll figure something out by that time. All right, Matt. I'm let you. I'm gonna let you start. I'm gonna let you start. I mean, we're you, you know, I always do a Thursday night game, and I it's do. the Pats, and it's the Steelers, and I'm take. I was taking the under on this, no matter what. I put I put money on the under on Sunday immediately after the Patriots game ended because I just I I knew it. I was gonna get in on that as early as possible. What the line the right under? now is thirty and a half. Thirty and a half. It's not even gonna get close to that. I, I I would have considered taking the under for about ten less points than that. So yeah, thirty and a half is gonna be cake. That's gonna be easy. He um, says, says there's gonna be four defensive touchdowns. Yeah, that's I'm gonna true. take the under on minutes of the game that I watch on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my uh, cousin Lizzie's uh, rehearsal dinner for her wedding. Shout oh, out. yeah. So that's Much like better you see Greg, your time. That's so one of those I, where you're I like, oh, crap, it's turning a Patriots game. Like, what the hell? And now you're like, oh, it's turning a Patriots game. Okay, no big deal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I will actually be there. So I will be watching the whole game. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go. All right. This is, this is oh, no. off the wall. Off the wall, but I'm doing it anyways. Um, I'm taking something from the Patriots Steelers game as well. I'm going Patriots Steelers first drive result, first drive <laughs> of the game result in a field goal attempt. Oh, okay. Actual Not turnover, point? dude. Uh, so punt is punt is like negative one twenty five or something like that right now, and field goal attempt is the next one. Other, I don't think there is. It might be turnover. I was like, no, no, I'm going field goal attempt. I think the Steelers are going to get the ball to start. 
Patriots going to win the toss, defer, Steelers get the ball, and uh, and kick a field goal through nothing. That's what I think is going to happen. But you never know. That would be that would be really fun. I'm I'm excited to hear how disinterested Al Michaels ends up being Thursday night. Like, there's is it that there's a part of me that's genuinely excited for this game? Like, it's going to be so bad that it's going to be funny, right? Like that. Oh yeah. Like we've crossed that threshold here. Maybe I'm just a sicko, but I I enjoy the just the awful awful football games. It's gonna be fun. I'm excited for the terrible towels. It's a blackout on uh on Thursday night. They're wearing the all black. They're asking fans to all dress in black. It's gonna be great. I'm I'm very excited. wearing all black to Bailey Zappi's like third funeral. I know. <laughs> oh God, it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be so ugly. Yeah. Uh, so, my anyways, my second up here. I got an over. Ooh, We're going the opposite okay. direction. Right, okay. e- Eagles, Cowboys over. And the Lions, 52 and a half points. But we're I taking it. it. I think we're going to see a lot of scoring in this one. If the Eagles defense plays like it did uh, this past Sunday, there's definitely going to be a lot of scoring in this one. So he's got an under 30 and a half and an over <laughs> 52 and a half. I absolutely love it. And they play the same sport, which is wild. So <laughs> um, I am also going with an under. I am also going with under, and I thought this was the lowest under of the of the uh, of the weekend. And then I realized that the Patriots are also playing this weekend. Then I forgot. Um, but I am going with the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Cleveland Browns, and I'm also Joe Flacco. <laughs> going under thirty point five. That's the exact same number as as the Patriots game is. I mean, the Jags, CJ Beathard. Come on now, come on. And like Joe Flacco had a game, had a game where he like looked mildly competent, but like, come on, it's Joe. Joe Flacco, Flacco would comfortably be the best quarterback on the Patriots, right? I now. mean, come on, like I might be the best quarterback in the Patriots, like <laughs> that's not really a high bar, you know. So, but uh, but no, the, the and the Browns defense is very good. The Jaguars defense hasn't been quite as good, but they've been decent. Um, so I don't think there's going to be much scoring in that game at all. And so I'm going Jags Browns under. 30.5. So there you go. Oh, and that's just, there's so many bad quarters. There's so many hurt quarterbacks right oh now. It's God. wild. Yeah, it's That's what happens when offensive lines are very bad. You end up yep. with hurt quarterbacks. 100%. It, it feels like this is the worst year for quarterback injuries. Maybe it's just recency bias, but. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. uh, Terry asked if Zappi is starting a quarterback. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Zappi. Not, and- not Malik Cunningham. And Cunningham might dress again. Like I'd like to see Cunningham at least get a few plays. Like what? Like why not? What could be worse? I know Zappy didn't turn the ball over on Thursday or on Sunday. Fine, the great, good for him. They didn't score any points. They didn't even yeah. attempt to score any points. They took zero snaps in the red zone. Like to be fair, some of that was because they don't trust Chad Ryland. Because they had a couple, at at least one point where they would have attempted a field goal with a competent kicker. Yeah, from like fifty yeah. something yards. I agree with that. Which, I, I think. If, if Zappi's no better this week, I mean, I don't think he's a lock to start next week. Right. Well, if, if the ship's going down anyway, then let's have some fun rearranging the deck chairs. Let's make some yeah, new shapes see, out of them. That's not Bill, though. He'll never do that, which sucks. And I, I don't they, necessarily blame him for that, but I don't think he'll I don't think he'll do that because I think that – but at the same time, it's like the defense playing so well, you can make the argument that, like, you should be trying everything on offense because the defense well, think, is playing so well. I think Deontay Johnson's just going to eat J.C. Jackson's lunch Thursday night and going to have a field day. So, I don't know, um, Deontay Johnson's been awfully, awfully uninterested lately. But yeah. well, this is one you know facing J.C. Jackson these days is one way to change that. So it's a great point. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that one looks. 
All right, so you have uh, trivia, and then we're going to do this, this weekend's post history. Yes, and then Dave, we do. We have we do a trivia. Game. By the way, hell yeah, of a pick, college football game of the week this week. Oh, Washington, Oregon. Yeah. So that was I said that was the game to watch, Dave. If you're looking for prospects, and man, did it it deliver? Did that not disappoint. A, that was a fun one. Um, yeah, we do trivia here. So whoever answers first correctly in the chat gets uh, entered into a little a little bonus thing we do. So I think we got we gave a hat to whoever won it last. Is that what it was? Yes, my guy Gary Sauerbutz. Uh, oh, yeah. The um, the hat didn't make it overseas the first time. So I contacted Fanatics after like fifteen attempts. They finally were like, "All right, we're going to send it again." So they sent it again. It's on its way. It should be getting there next week uh, over to jolly old England. Um, yeah. And so so yeah, so that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So last week's question was, who did Tom Brady defeat in his last playoff victory at Gillette Stadium? The answer, the L.A. Chargers, Thad Skywalker was on that one, who also named the quarterback, Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. This week's question, Rob Gronkowski's breakout game came at Pittsburgh in 2010. How many touchdowns did the then-rookie haul in from Tom Brady that night? See if anybody's able to remember this. That was a fun game too. That's when the Steelers were wearing those like throwbacks with the yellow helmets. Yes, uh, you got Brady with the long hair and the rookie Gronk. That was a fun season. That was a great. That was a great team. Gronk had ten touchdowns that year as a rookie. Yeah, and I saw. I was there for his first one against the Bengals. Yep. Yep. And Aaron Aaron Hernandez, I think, scored in that one too, which is uh, a little bit less notable now. (laughs) That guy. Or never, more. never hear from him anymore. Or more notable, theoretically. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I believe uh, what's his face? I think Gary Guyton might have had a touchdown in that one too on a oh pick my six. Lord, <laughs> and I'm That's pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Brandon Tate had a kickoff return touchdown as well. That might be all it. four touchdowns scored in that game. Yeah, I think you might be right. Brandon Tate, what a throwback! And then he ended up on the Bengals for a while. He played for the Bengals for a while. Yeah. Um. So. Another another Patriots wide receiver bust. That's good. It was cool. By the way, I did meet up with Matt Manito. Uh, he did correct us and say that his name is pronounced Manito and not Manito, like we've been calling him. Uh, but we did meet up at the game on Sunday, which was the which was like the one good thing to come out of the game on Sunday. Um, Something. I got to meet up with him, which was cool. And then and my daughter came too, which is nice. So um, she yeah. had fun. So, anyways, um, all right, good question. We got some right answers in here, it sounds like. Uh, yeah. My dad texted me the correct answer as well. Um, got a lot of right late. answers in here. He was later. He was he was uh, later than than the first person in the chat, but um, but nevertheless. All right, let's uh, let's get into our final segment of the uh, of the of the podcast. Here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like: this week in sports history. All right, uh, I have one. I'm going to go first, if you don't mind. I'm going to go first. All Today, right. on this day in 1943, so it is uh, se- uh, September. I almost said September. December 5th, 1943, the uh, Steagles ended. Uh, the Steelers and Eagles uh, merger ended. Uh, so this was during World War II when the NFL just didn't have enough players. And so they were combining teams and so the philadelphia eagles and the pittsburgh steelers combined teams together and uh and played the 1943 season together and then disbanded at the end of the year and then in 1944 
the Pittsburgh Steelers combined with the Chicago Cardinals, uh, who notably were in the news this week because they were the last team to lose three consecutive games while allowing 10 points or less uh, back in 1938, of course. But in 1944, the Chicago Cardinals and the Steelers combined as well. They got called like the carpets because like carpet. They also... It was a good name because they went 0-10, so they were the carpets. So there you go. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that I learned about the Steagles because I got some like football card when I was a kid that was like a Steagles card, right. but like of a modern player. They like they like took a player who was like went from who played out for like both teams at some point and like made it like a Steagles card and like put the history on the back or something or like yeah they might have done like a split card or Pretty something cool. with like one sealer and one eagle i gotta see if i can find that i hope that's, that's cool. around somewhere yeah in a very weird way dave you want to give yours sure so this i just searched on on this day.com that's what we do too <laughs> On December 7th, 1937, the Red Sox uh, signed Ted Williams. He was 19. He was playing in the Pacific Coast League for the San Diego Padres, which were not an affiliated team. That was when they signed him. My dad's favorite baseball player ever. Yeah, as he should be. It's a good one. I love it. I love it. I'm trying to find mine because I lost it here for a second. Uh, was it Alex he, Verdugo traded to the Yankees? <laughs> That's next year. That's a good one. That's a good one. Next year, we'll have to remember that. <laughs> yes. Uh, on the on this day in 1974, the Seattle Seahawks formed. Look at that. that one. Look at that. Yeah, as an AFC one. team at that point. They were an AFC team. It's so weird to think that the Seahawks were in the AFC, and then they moved over to the NFC. I mean, it's just a, it, like, you know, the fact that the Patriots and the Colts played together – the fact that the Colts are in the AFC South, like it's just so bizarre. It's like the AFC South is so perfect. The NFC South is great. Like everyone's in the South, and then you have the Colts. And you're like, wait, what? How are the Colts in the South? That doesn't make any sense. But, it would you know. it, it would seemingly make a lot more sense if like the Colts and the Dolphins changed places. Uh, you would think, right? You would think. Because it's funny because the Colts and the Dolphins were both in the AFC East. The Dolphins yeah. could have easily moved to the AFC South, but they didn't. So I don't know. It's all the all the old rivalry stuff. The one that still trips me up is the Astros. I keep forgetting that they yeah. haven't always been an American League team. Yeah, they were. See, I, when I went to college in, in Houston, they were in the National League, so I still think of them as an NL Central team. <laughs> yes, I, I, uh, I was watching old baseball clips recently, and it was like the World Series where they were representing the NL, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I, I have a friend who's a Cardinals fan, and he was like, "Cowards." <laughs> it's like I, I always know, forget right? they were used to be in the NL Central. He's like, yeah. That's an old, is, is that still a rivalry at all between those two teams? Was it ever? It was Cardinals Cubs, really. It was. Yeah, that's the not, big one. Oh, that's really the big one. Yeah. And like, yeah, also got, the Cubs also have the the Brewers there. Honestly, the, the NL Central has a lot of teams that do not like each other. See, and the Brewers were an AL team for a long time. So yeah, good point. That's Which good is point. also weird. It's. Like it feels like the Brewers should always be an NL team, but maybe that's because the Packers are NFC. And like I, I don't know. This this conversation just reminds me how much younger you are than me, Matt. <laughs> Isn't it ridiculous? Isn't it ridiculous? I'm like Matt. Gee, for the love of God, dude. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. By the way, Jacques Gold did point out that the Seahawks weren't officially named 
until June 15th, 1975. That is true, but the franchise was formed on December 5th. In 90, as he pointed out, the franchise was formed in December 5th. So he wasn't saying you were wrong. He was just saying, just add, adding on, just adding on some context that they I, weren't technically the Seahawks yet, although they obviously would never be called anything else uh, in their career. What the perception was to that name when they were named that. I'll feel like I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Now, but like Seahawk isn't a bird. Like it's like kind of just like a category. Yeah, it's weird, right? Isn't it? Isn't it weird? <laughs> <laughs> makes me, it makes me think. Makes me think of. Uh, do you know why seagulls fly over the sea? Why? Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels. You know. You know. So, I mean, makes sense. So, so these are the kind of jokes you like tell your kids. I tell. Listen, I start every <laughs> class with the dad joke of the day. Every day is the dad joke of the day. My dad joke of the day today was, uh, "What's the best present you can give?" That would be a broken drum. Of course, no one can beat that. I mean, come on. You know? <laughs> so, it's every day. And the kids hate it. They say they hate it, but they love it. They actually love it. Hey, so. Dave, if you want, there's actually a co-host position for the show open <laughs> right now. <laughs> Listen, I'd be long gone. If I wasn't the one running things, I'd be long gone. I, I understand that. I know that. So, <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Chris agrees. Mr. St. Jean agrees. Dad jokes Thanks, rule. Thanks, Dad. Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> that was an accidental one. That was a <laughs> So, all right. Let's get the hell out of here before we get into ourselves into trouble. So, thanks for coming through, guys. We appreciate you guys. Um, Matt is going to be alone on the stream or perhaps joined by someone not named Pat Lane uh, on the stream on Thursday night. I will be in Pittsburgh, so I won't be uh, I won't be streaming after the game. But we will be back with you Um Next week. I would say probably next Wednesday night. Um, and we'll go from there. So no Sunday show, uh, but Wednesday for sure. So yeah. thanks for listening, guys. As always, we appreciate you. And, um, and yeah, we uh, <laughs> we joined by his old friend, Hello Darkness. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, so but anyways, well, thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you guys. Love you. And, uh, and we will talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.